and welcome back to the Detours in Music podcast. My name is Laura Rupel, and today we have an interview with Haley Bangs, the second flutist of the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. I hope you enjoy. I'm Haley Bangs. I am the second flutist of the Cincinnati Symphony. I've been in this position now for almost four years. Okay. I joined in um, in fall of 2019. Okay. And then yep. backtracking all the way to when you were a kid, how did you mm-hmm. start in music? Well, I was born into a pretty musical family. My grandmother was a pianist. She taught piano full time. She had you know private students. And my parents are both musical. You know, everyone on my mom's side of the family played piano, at least through parts of their lives. Um, mm-hmm. My father is a musical theater fanatic. He, he studied radio and television in college. And he, um, he's been involved in community theater for a long time. So I was exposed to musicals starting from when I was a baby. So mm-hmm. I've been kind of surrounded by it my whole life. I started on piano. Uh, both my sister and I took lessons for a few years. And then from there, um, I did some other things. I did choir for a while, which I really loved. And then uh, when I got to junior high, there was an instrument petting zoo mm-hmm. the summer between fifth and sixth grade for all those that um, who were interested. So I went to that and tried a bunch of different different instruments out and settled on the, I shouldn't say settle. It sounds like it, like I accepted it. <laughs> I chose the flute. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Um, when was there a realization for you that you wanted to go into music or do you think that had to do with picking the flute or did that have to do with kind of growing up in that environment? I knew for sure that this is what I wanted to do actually when I was a camper at the Interlochen Arts Camp. Um, I loved music, but I, it definitely, even when I first started learning to play the flute, it, it was not something that was really on my radar being a professional musician, but I went to their summer camp it was the summer between eighth grade and my freshman year of high school. And I went to their intermediate division. Mm-hmm. You could either go as a high schooler, but you had to commit to eight weeks or you could go as an intermediate camper and you could do a month. Um, so I kind of decided to try that out. And it's my first time playing an orchestra at that point. I'd only done band, which I still really love. Mm-hmm. But after a few rehearsals, I just, I just knew it's what I needed and wanted to do with, with my life. Wow. So, yeah. How did that translate into looking for schools? Oh, it played a huge role in that for sure. Yeah. That summer I, 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 you know, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I had a really great band program at my public high school and I had a great teacher. Um, Didn't really have access to everything that that school offered. So I decided to apply for the full-time, the year-round arts academy. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. Um, My parents were really supportive and I did my last two years of high school there, which was great because I mean, I was completely unaware of everything that any, you know, you needed to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to, to, to pursue this. I lived in a very small town in Colorado and there was some support for the arts not so much where we grow up and who what teachers we have influences us mm-hmm. um even just knowledge it's like that you don't know what you don't know so I think yeah it yeah it's like music it does matter to help with guidance for that absolutely yeah and I mean where I was I mean there I, we 
it's not like there was nothing going on. I mean, I was smack dab in the middle of Denver, mm-hmm. Colorado and Colorado Springs. My parents divorced when I was in junior high, which meant, you know, having two parents kind of single parenting, you mm-hmm. know, between my sister and I and my father moved back to Illinois um, where his work was. So my mom had two girls on her own and you know, between raising us and having you know, full-time job. And then she had some other part-time jobs for a while. Um, it was really hard for her to drive us around. So if, if I wanted to get really good flute instruction and do like youth orchestra and stuff, we just didn't have the time mm-hmm. to do all of it. Uh, we also were gymnasts. We did a lot of other things. So, but just being aware of what was out there when I got to Interlochen and became aware of like the level that was out there and all these other kids who had been doing competitions and going to these other summer things. And I mean, I had no, I didn't even know what music schools were out there. It was completely out of my awareness. I had no idea, you know, up until that point I had, I wanted to be a marine biologist. I went through a phase where I wanted to be a meteorologist. I wanted to study virology. I had all sorts of kind of scientific interests, Mm -hmm. which I'm, I still enjoy reading about, but I had no clue. So yeah. I knew that I needed to be that in that environment. And that school is very much, it's a regular high school, uh, but it, it also prepares you for that conservatory atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And, and through that too, I became aware of which teachers were out there, what schools they were at. Um, mm-hmm. And so if I hadn't gone there, of course, I would have started doing my own research on my own, but that really kind of set me up mm-hmm. for, for success. Just Cause again, I also didn't know that, you know, the way I was practicing a lot, but being there, I really learned how to practice effectively. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, if I hadn't gone there, I probably wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with yeah. you. <laughs> if yeah. there were um, students or maybe parents listening who aren't aware of these kind of boarding school mm-hmm. um, things like interlocking, would you still... Yeah recommend that today to students? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, in Interlochen, it's, it has really grown as an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. Is it difficult to leave home when you're that age? Of course it is. You know, Mm -hmm. that's natural. And I'm sure for the parents perspective too, it's hard to have their children go there and they do have scholarship programs, which is great. Mm -hmm. And kind of just like college, they have work study opportunities. I, I think I worked in the cafeteria for part of it. But what was really wonderful about that school is it exposed me to a lot of other things. It's not just music. There's ballet, there's visual mm-hmm. arts, there's creative writing. They have a film, you know, film school now. Um, so on the weekends, if I wanted to go see a ballet recital, I could. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to go to a creative writing reading, I could. If I wanted to go to an art gallery. We'd also have these student-run coffee shops, kind of like an open mic night. And everyone yeah. could go up and do their own thing. And that's just not something that I really had. So the other side of it is you're, you're, especially if you grow up really, really in a small town Mm -hmm. where there isn't a lot of that. I mean, I, I loved where I grew up, but Mm -hmm. it was very much all about sports, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and everyone was, you know, after school, they'd major in engineering. A lot of them would go to the Colorado school of mines or they'd go study in Denver. Um, A lot of students who went into the medical field. So that's just what was important there. So I got to be exposed to all sorts of other things and all of that stuff affects how you express yourself in your, in your playing. So I'm really grateful for that. So it's not just about 
the intensive study on your instrument. You get, you're exposed to so many different things and different people. And Mm -hmm. it really is, it really is a wonderful, wonderful place. And, And you learn just how to get along with all sorts of different types of people, which is also a really important skill. So, yes. Yes. That yeah. Is yeah. Where did your studies take you after Interlochen? So after Interlochen, I went to the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. Uh, I went there again for the teacher. There are tons of really great flute teachers out there, but as far as like my learning style, she, I really connected with her because mm-hmm. um, I did take some time to go to different schools, take some lessons. And with her, it just, you know, the way she described things to me just made, made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And she also is just, she's, she's been, she's a great mentor too. It's not all about the flute. Like I could go into a lesson and she'd be like, I can tell you're really sleep deprived. Like you're making your sure you're going to sleep at night and, you know, or she'd help with scheduling, you know, making Mm -hmm. sure I was getting enough time to practice and stuff. And I, I kind of picked that up about her before I even auditioned and I really, really appreciate appreciated that about her and also that part of the state I'm sorry that part of the country has always felt a little bit like home my mm-hmm. mom went to school out there she went to Cornell her, her her dad went there she lived there for a long time she actually lived in Rochester for a long time really after college yeah she lived and worked there for a while with some friends my aunt and her husband both went to U of R Mm-hmm. so there's this family link too and it just it felt like the right place to be you know not just for the school and the teacher but just yeah. something about that whole area just I felt really drawn to it and it still feels like one of my homes mm-hmm. so that's where I that's where I went next yeah what did you struggle with in your undergraduate degree oh my gosh well uh the weather for one thing yeah I mean we're, you're right on Lake Ontario mm-hmm. the summer is beautiful there I mean most of us left during the summer to do other things, but, um, yeah, it could be kind of gray and rainy and a lot of snow, but it did force all of us to work very hard. Mm-hmm. And because of that too, I mean, it's, it is a small city. It, it has changed a lot. Um, but that whole, you know, Eastman is not part of the U of our campus. It's downtown. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of confined to this, you know, four ish block radius, but it also brings people together. I mean, my best friends for life mm-hmm. are from Eastman. You know, I talk to them on a, on a daily basis. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so going to school there, yes, the weather was difficult. I did find at least initially balancing academics with practicing was, was tough. I mean, I was still kind of in this mindset where I was like, if I don't practice eight hours a day, I'm not going to get a job. And Cause that's kind of what I was doing in, in high school. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't have classes then, but yeah, I get to Eastman. I also, I had been a straight A student all through high school and just finding that balance. I had to accept, like, I might not get perfect grades while I'm here, mm-hmm. you know, and I never got, I never got failing grades or anything yeah, like that, yeah. but there was a certain point where I think I even had a lesson with my teacher where she was like, look, I know it's important to get good grades. Mm-hmm. However, you know, you're here to study this because mm-hmm. you want to play in an orchestra. So just remember balance. But I mean, I think I was practicing all these hours and then I'd have, I'd get back to the dorms at like 11 o'clock at night. And then mm-hmm. I'd be starting my theory homework, which, you know, to be fair, our teachers would say, this is going to take you, you know, three hours or so. And I would get started and, you know, 
when you're, when you're starting an assignment that late at night, your brain's already kind of fried. So I can't say that it was my finest work. So that was hard. And just, and finding a balance, making sure you're spending enough time with friends, making sure you're having fun. I definitely, you know, reached a point probably like halfway through my sophomore year where I realized I need to make sure I'm still living my life Mm -hmm. and -hmm. having fun, you know, and I started allowing myself to count practice also as like going to the library and listening to something and following along with the score. It was no longer just FaceTime with the instrument because I realized, gosh, I'm locked in this tiny practice room, Mm -hmm. no, no windows. And I'm just practicing the same stuff over it. What do I have to say to the world if I'm in here? Yeah. So my, my musicality really blossomed once I started just balancing out my life Mm-hmm. A, a little bit in a, a more healthy way. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very easy to get burned out. Right. Right. So I'm glad I had that realization early on when I was there. <laughs> yeah. It may, yeah, it made a big, made a really big difference. Post Eastman, my senior year at Eastman, uh, like a week before graduation, I won a position in the United States Navy band in Washington, DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, came back to school, graduated, and then I had the summer free, and then I went to basic training. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That was a whole <laughs> whole thing. And then I arrived in DC around Thanksgiving. So that was two thousand nine, mm-hmm. and I was there for six years. I playing professionally with them. I when I was there, I got a master's degree. Um, Catholic University had a program for basically anyone in, in any of the military bands in the area could go there to their music school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all paid for, but we were kind of fellows while we were there. We had to play in the, the, the school orchestra, help out the mm-hmm. other students. Um, but they had, they had master's and doctoral programs there. So a lot of us continued our educations while, while we were there and you could study with anyone you wanted. So I studied with Alice Weinreb. She's second flutist now retired of mm-hmm. the national symphony. And it was great. And, you know, no matter where I would have ended up, it was really nice to just continue st- just to continue studying with someone. I mean, I don't think you can ever stop learning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I know as an oboist who went through band programs, mm-hmm. um, I was always like, always extremely aware of the military bands and have friends that have done them. I don't think I've actually interviewed anyone who has done one. So I'm curious to hear more. I know we all get very stressed about the idea of going to basic training. Yeah. (laughs) So I I would love to hear more about that experience. Sure. Yeah. I, I loved my time in the Navy band. Uh, Again, friends that I will take with me to the grave, Mm -hmm. basic training thing it's, it's bizarre. And it certainly had a long-term effect on me, which mm-hmm. took me some time to, you know, to, to work through. Cause it, mm-hmm. it varies branch to branch. The Navy, their basic training experience is more about making sure that people can stay sane, like on an aircraft carrier and, mm-hmm. you know, or out on, uh, in a submarine mm-hmm. for extended periods of time. So they purposely like they keep you indoors for most of it. There are no windows. You're not exposed to natural light. I mean, and they purposely make you sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. They play mind games with you and they do it on purpose. I understand yeah. it. Um, and for me, just, 
I mean, it was just so, so bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I knew, you know, I had a bunch of people in the band tell me kind of what it was going to be about. Like, remember, it's just a game. Yeah. Keep your head down. I remember thinking, oh yeah, it's just a game. I'm not going to let it get to me. And, man, and by course. the end, I was just like, I had this whole new level of paranoia. I didn't know it was possible in me. Um, but again, it's just a temporary thing, um, that everyone has to go through. The Marine band does not, which is really nice, but, but I have friends who went to army basic and army. It's more about the physical Physical. Mm -hmm. side of things. So, I mean, the Navy physical stuff was very easy. Like you could walk the mile and still pass your PT test. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. for us, it was mostly about psychology. Um, Yeah. So, but then you get to the band, you never have to go to basic ever again. Yes. Um, and it is, it's a great job. If you, if you love band music, it's great. I mean, some of the best musicians I've ever played with in my life are in that Mm -hmm. ensemble. Um, and there's some great music for wind ensemble. There's some great orchestral arrangement, uh, transcriptions that are great. I would love it. I would actually love it if the, the CSO maybe occasionally did some band concerts. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, especially, well, yeah, especially like because pops, we, for sure. yeah, or just for educational stuff. There are a lot of schools that do not have orchestra programs and mm-hmm. it'd be really inspiring to have such a strong wind and brass section play some of this classic literature for kids who are in band because playing in band and in, in junior high is what's, that was the initial spark for me. I mean, I remember the first time we just played like, one note together as a group and it was all over the place, you know, but yeah. it, the, the, the power that I felt from that was just magical. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it is still the military. Mm-hmm. So you are still owned by the government. You still have to abide by all the Navy rules and regulations. There's constant training. There's constant like anti-terrorist training, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff that, and you, you have to respect your chain of command. There's, there's certain language you have to use both in writing and when you're speaking to one another. Um, it's, it's, it can be a lot. And ultimately that's why I decided to leave. It was not the music part. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the military side of things because you, you lose some freedom mm-hmm. and it really depends on who you are as a person. I, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who are able to do that job, mm-hmm. do the Navy sides of thing. Then they go home and it all stays there. And for me, it was just really difficult to be able to go home and kind of set that, set that aside. I mean, they, the, the, the military, you know, they do train you to kind of be on high alert at all right. times, right. which some people can handle for me after a while. I, I thought, you know, I'm getting to the point where I, I leave my house and I'm just like, who knows if I'm a sailor or not. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, and living in DC is also its own special thing too, because yeah, it's yeah. full of government officials, military. Um, so for me, long-term, I knew it wasn't the best thing mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but had the military, have I, had I just been playing in like a full-time professional band, mm-hmm. I could do that my whole life. No problem. Right. So, right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. The pay is great you know, you get free health insurance. So mm-hmm. for anyone listening who loves mm-hmm. playing band music, it really is a great job. It's just the military side of the thing. You really have to think about that mm-hmm. and talk to people who have been in it and just ask for their honest opinions about the experience, because it, it no matter what your job is in the military, even though mm-hmm. you're not deployed, 
it's you're you're still a member of the armed forces and it does impact your your daily life including outside of work so mm -hmm. that's kind of the one thing um I, I think i wish i had known a little bit more before i went in but right even so even talking to people in the band about what it was like before i go there's only so much they can tell you it was one of those things where i think for me i had to experience it myself right right to know what it's like so yeah so yeah it was it was great i was just there a couple of weeks ago visiting my friends i mean they're they're like family to cool. me so and a bunch of them like you like a lot of people in the orchestra are doing their own projects i have a lot of friends who are composers and arrangers they have their own bands on the side jazz groups rock mm -hmm. groups yeah you know i worked with and the navy band had a bunch of specialty groups they had a jazz band a pop and rock group a choir country group they were unbelievable and we got to yeah. collaborate with them all the time so that was really really special that is really yeah. cool i grew up in yeah. virginia and so i yeah I feel like I've heard like every single group go through, <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, that's so all cool. over the place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you get to play for, you know, military ceremonies, mm -hmm. playing, playing funerals at Arlington national cemetery. That was such a treat. Yeah. I mean, we would be out there some days and be freezing, you know, snowing sideways and, you know, we're out there holding our instruments with gloves. I mean, at that point we couldn't even play. We were just kind of bodies. Like, I'm just there. Here. To look good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it'd be really, really hot, and it's like so hot they wouldn't even let the horses out. Yeah, you know. But, but we would still be go there. out. We'd still be out, you know, wearing these exactly. polyester, you know, uniforms with, with like silk linings. It's sticking mm -hmm. to your. It's like wearing a garbage bag outside. But it was just such a humbling experience because we'd be lined up next to these families mm -hmm. grieving the loss of their, you know, their their children, and it was really a really beautiful experience um mm -hmm. so i'm really grateful that i that i got to do that and i'm never gonna forget it yeah yeah did you come to cincinnati after that i did not okay. no so i had one of your i saw one of your questions was about detour so yeah. i knew that i didn't want to be in the navy full time mm -hmm. um but just leaving and you know i knew that i wanted to kind of go back into or orchestral playing mm -hmm. um so but just quitting without a job lined up you know is very risky I mean, <laughs> leaving regardless is risky so um i went back to eastman mm -hmm. to start my doctorate um i mostly just i wanted to be in an environment where other people were working towards the same goal yeah um and i knew you know i'm, I'm going to be surrounded by other students who are doing the same thing from undergrads all the way to other DMAs. So in that way too, I could have this other degree if I decided later to go the teaching route. So mm -hmm. I got there, I did the coursework. Um, I practiced a lot and I flew out and took auditions when I could. And two years in, I won a position with the Omaha Symphony playing um, associate principal second flute. So I left Eastman a little more than halfway done with my coursework and the summer in between those two years in Omaha, I did go back and I did more classes, mm -hmm. um, did some stuff online as well. And yeah, my second year in Omaha, I took the Cincinnati second flute audition and that's how I wound up, wound up here. So yeah, yeah I've had a bunch of, bunch of, uh, little interesting steps 
along mm-hmm. the way. <laughs> That's really, I mean, it sounds pretty beautiful, your relationship with Eastman and Rochester to have that safe space to go back to at different stages. And I know we've talked about how you still would, (laughs) you know, go back for different things. So that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's important for everyone. I mean, maybe we don't all have it as an undergrad student, but there are these like organizations and places that will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my teacher knew what I was going through. She knew that I needed a change and it didn't, I mean, it really, even though, again, I was not, you know, out in the Middle East, active mm-hmm. duty. I mean, there was still some kind of baggage that I had to to work through mm-hmm. for a while. Um, just being a member of the armed forces. I mean, it's there uh, the training we had to go through really teaches you. It, no matter whether you're active duty mm-hmm. or retired or separated or whatever, you could be out in the world running errands in civilian clothing, just know that you're always a target. So, I mean, I went back to the civilian world mm-hmm. and I had, I kind of went through a brief stage where I was almost kind of agoraphobic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was back in the real world. I would go run errands or I'd go to school and, you know, I'd, I'd find parking a little far away or like our security guard wouldn't be mm-hmm. working at the school. And it would, it would really scare me. Um, yeah. So it, it did, it, it did take me a while to kind of come back to the real world, even though looking back, was I, was I going to be targeted by someone? No, but that's just part you of the Yeah. You have to believe that you will, I guess, to do. Yeah. Yeah. So she, mm-hmm. you know, my teacher knew that that was what was going on with me too. And she's like, you're safe here. Mm-hmm. Just come here. I'll work with you. And it was great. I got to be the TA for the studio. So I got to know the students and I got to teach them excerpt classes every, every week. And I taught students through the community music school, all ages. I worked with some non-majors coming over from university of Rochester. So I had this really beautiful community of, of people um, that, so they were all helping me to mm-hmm. become, you know, my usual self, yeah. <laughs> but it did take, it did take some time. You know, I had to kind of reacclimate to, to the real world. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone who's been in the military, who's been in a military band will probably experience that mm-hmm. to some, to some degree. Cause it is, you go from one lifestyle to one that's a little more controlled back to mm-hmm. where you were before. And it takes a while to find your, your equilibrium for right. sure. Right. So I'm sure that would yeah. affect me. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone really is, is above it. And yeah. There's nothing wrong. It just, it just is. It is what it is. is. What it is. Yeah. Yeah. What is special about your job at Cincinnati or what is kind of your day in the life as a Cincinnati musician? Yeah, I, well, second flute in particular, I really love because it's like constantly solving a puzzle, which I love doing. Like a pitch puzzle? Yeah, well, I mean, everything, I mean, Mm -hmm. tone, timbre and playing second. So there are times where it's important for me, you know, maybe I'm playing some lower notes, but balance wise, I actually need to play a little bit louder than our principal. So I, it's important for me to understand when to do that. If we're playing something in unison or duet, I need to be able to turn my vibrato on and off mm-hmm. to match our principal. Uh, so I have to be able to do it right away. And sometimes he slows his vibrato down. I have to make sure that my waves Mm -hmm. match his and Mm -hmm. it totally depends on the style of the piece that we're playing you know right 
he he changes his sound both both of our principals mm-hmm. you know, they're both very musical they don't play with the same sound the whole time they they change all the time so it's important mm-hmm. that I match them but there are also times where I might have every once in a while second flute gets a solo or something more exposed or mm-hmm. I end up having a duet or a something in unison with principal oboe or clarinet so I need to be able to match them so it's important for me to know when it's my time to shine Mm -hmm. when I'm in a supporting role or when I'm really just supposed to blend and we're supposed to sound like one instrument so you're constantly figuring something out Mm -hmm. um, which is is a lot of it's very rewarding for me Um, and I, I also have learned a lot just about playing the instrument in general and I've become a much better musician as a result of sitting in this section too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, it's been incredible. It is a lot of work. We, we play most of the music. Um, so our workload is quite heavy yeah. at times, but you know, at the same time I get to play most of the repertoire, all this great repertoire. And considering I spent the first six of years of my career playing in band, there's a lot of orchestral music. I still haven't played that I'm getting the chance to play now. So it's, it's extremely rewarding. Plus we all get along, which is great. Yes, That is good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How would you define the detours that have happened in your career? Hmm. I, I would say there, they've, there've been moments where uh, not without even trying, it's almost like the universe kind of forces me to take a step back and reevaluate why, where I am, you know, because this is just the natural part of life. Mm-hmm. Maybe things get a little stressful at a certain point and you go, okay, what's, what's the real problem here? What is, what is it that's causing a lot of stress? Then taking a step back, evaluating, you know, what, what in the job or what in that I'm doing, what is it that I'm doing that feels good? Mm-hmm. What doesn't feel good right now? A lot of my detours have been like, accepting that, you know, physically playing the flute is very demanding. You know, mm-hmm. We hold our bodies in a very awkward, unnatural position for many hours at a time. So I've had a lot of shoulder issues for years and years and years, and mostly because mm-hmm. I overdid it in high school and college. So I've, there have been times where I've thought, gosh, if I don't figure, figure something out about this. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to be able to do this for much longer. I'm going to be in too much pain. So I've had to restructure how I practice. Mm -hmm. I've had to accept, you know, I can't practice that many hours a day. We, we spend so much time in rehearsals too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've also learned to trust the work that I've done over time. Right. I've, I have spent so many hours on the instruments, on technique, on tone stuff that there are weeks where if all I have time to do is you know, read through the pieces that we have the following week and polish mm-hmm. up on things that weren't perfect the first way through. If that's all I need to do, I'm not going to feel guilty about mm-hmm. not practicing every single day or spending a certain number of hours on the instrument. We have to trust that the work that we did in college yeah. stays. Yeah. 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 Of course, we're going to continue to learn and improve in different ways, but I've had to really do that for myself too. And also I need to make myself stretch. If I have a week where the pain is really bad, Mm -hmm. make sure I'm icing my shoulder during breaks at work. Or Mm -hmm. when I go home, make sure I stretch. Um, If I feel like my workload is too much, you know, 
maybe asking to be rotated off a piece every once in a while. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we really operate like a family in my section. We, we check in with one another, make sure that everyone is feeling good. And we all kind of respect each other in that, in that regard make sure that we're, you know, sometimes like you're going to be working a lot, no matter right. what. Right. Um, yeah. So detours, I think are when it's either my body, I feel something or I'm like something needs, or, or even like mentally, like, you know, am I taking on too much right now? Or am, am I having difficulty balancing like my home life with work? And usually it just takes some stepping back and just kind of reevaluating, you know, what is important to me right now? Navy band. I mean, that was a big, that was a big one. It's like, okay, I still love playing. The military lifestyle is not something that I can sustain for mm-hmm. my whole career, mental health wise. I just, mm-hmm. it was, you know, for me, taking was, more than giving. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. For me, it was, it was, it was too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I chose, chose to leave and yeah. So I'm, I'm sure people have realizations like that, even throughout their orchestral careers. So, but right now I'm in a, I'm in a really good place. Yeah. Well, you brought, you brought, you brought up some quotes. There was one though, that I just, I keep going back to, Okay. and I keep changing my mind about it, but I would just be curious, just like a little discussion yeah. about it. So this is one by Arnold Schoenberg. Mm-hmm. If it is art, then it is not for all. And if it is for all, it is not art. And the first time I like read that, I thought, oh, come on. I was like, come on, Schoenberg. Like, mm-hmm. that's so limiting. You know, I, I, and I think context and intention is important as an artist. But when I first read it, I thought, well, gosh, so you're saying that, you know, if some people understand it, it's for them, but if not, you know, it's not meant for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of understand what he was saying, because I think there are some artists or musicians who, create something with a specific audience in mind, probably knowing these are the kind of people that will appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, the debt to define art, I mean, all the words in existence are, have been man-made, mm-hmm. you know, so even the word art, I, I went online and just kind of looked up all the different definitions and Cambridge says, an activity through which people express particular ideas or the making of objects, images, music that are beautiful or that express feelings. And then Miriam Webster says the conscious use of skill wow. and okay. creative imagination. I'm like, so really it also comes down to your beliefs. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I personally think anything could be art. If you look at something or hear something or feel something, mm-hmm. if it elicits, especially an emotional response, why not? Why, why yeah. can't you, if you, want to, if you look at a blade of grass, if that is art to you, mm-hmm. why not? And, and con- it also depends on what you think consciousness is. You know, yeah. Consciousness is awareness, but it's like mm-hmm. the, the earth, the earth is creating plants. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that the earth isn't conscious. We don't actually yeah. know. You know what I mean? So yeah. it comes down to your beliefs, the context, you know, the quotes like this and, and mm-hmm. the intention that the artist has. So I, I read that quote and I thought, wow, that is a very powerful statement to make. Mm-hmm. And, it's to, kind and of to a, say, let it. me cover my bases for the people who don't like this. <laughs> yeah, right. Because exactly. yeah. a lot of people don't like his stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I love his chamber symphony, you know, because he was in that kind of transitional phase. He was still embracing ro- 
romanticism, expressionism, and then he moved into the twelve tone stuff and mm-hmm. um, some of the later twelve tone stuff. I, I don't love, but some people when they listen to atonal music, they do feel something. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that music now, I I don't necessarily feel something, but it's it's like visual art. Sometimes I will I will stare at a piece of art for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I won't understand the symbolism or I won't feel something. And I'm like, but you know what? I appreciate what this person created. Right. Because, you know, they made the effort to do something. And, and any kind of art, any kind of creation is always a risk. There's mm-hmm. always a risk that it won't be successful or someone won't appreciate it. So, but I, that appreciation aspect of it. So new music like that, I, you know, especially when I'm playing it at work, mm-hmm. like, you know what? I, I don't really get it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel anything. And but if you can, and this is something that I hope more and more audience members can just kind of adopt this, this philosophy, like maybe I'm not going to feel anything, but I can just appreciate it for what it is. And I think CSO is really good in their program notes about kind of explaining a little bit about what's happening Mm -hmm. in the music or what what the composer had in mind. So even if they're sitting there and they don't feel the same way they feel listening to a Brahms symphony, they can at least appreciate it for, for what it is. But I thought, yeah, Schoenberg, you're, you're, you're making this statement, like, like it's a claim, like it's a fact. And I'm like, you're, you're setting limits on what art is. There are a lot of students who really look up to you. And I thought, gosh, if I have, if I had read that quote as like a sophomore in college, Mm -hmm. just knowing who I was back then, I would have been like, oh yeah, he's totally right. And that could have totally shifted how I, how I look, look at things now. So Mm-hmm. I just thought that one was really interesting. And as we all know, you know, it's overstated, overused, but you know, beauty is in the eye of, of the beholder. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the truth. So right. I don't know. Yeah. I, I love, I do one. love that quote because mm-hmm. it's just, it's, there's so much room for debate on that. Yeah. So well, even the, I saw that and I was like, I kind of hate it, but I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah. In the definitions you say, I feel like kind of almost aligned with what he was saying, where it's like an intention, like you mentioned, and, like specific audience in mind. And so, yeah. 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 Art is an undefinable thing. Maybe <laughs> it is. Yeah. I, I believe, I believe yeah. it is. Leaving off with like some things you like to do outside of music. Oh, sure. Well, I'm an animal lover. I have a dog and a cat, Daisy and Mia. I spend a lot of time with them, making sure that they're happy. Um, I am a hospice volunteer. That's, that's the other part of my life that I just, I'm truly passionate about. I think one of your questions was if if you weren't Mm -hmm. a musician, what would you do? And at this point in my life, that's absolutely what I would be doing would be full-time hospice work. Uh, I, I go every week and it's just, it's a humbling reminder of like what really matters in life and make Mm -hmm. sure other people are feeling good. And, um, so I spend a lot of time with that. I'm from Colorado, so I'm a big outdoor person, hiking, biking. I'm a scuba diver, big reader. I love to journal, garden, and more than anything, spent more importantly, spending time with friends and family. I've got so many good friends in the orchestra, some of whom I've known before I even got here from summer mm-hmm. festivals. Uh, shout out to Rachel Charbel. <laughs> and um, yeah, just spending time with the, with the people I love. That's, that's what brings me joy that's in awesome. life. So yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having me. This was so fun. Thank you to Haley for taking the time to speak with me, and I hope you all enjoyed that interview. I'm really grateful that Haley was opening up and vulnerable about her experiences in the military band. I think it's important for all of us to remember that, yes, getting a job in music, winning an audition is very important, but you also have to have that job and live your life and be happy, and that's actually more important. But she recognized that that was not a situation that was going to be the best for her in the long run and she found something that does work and that's still inspiring to her and that's a good lesson for all of us looking forward thank you for listening and i hope you catch our next episode mm-hmm.